High School Slumber Party AP is a Cage Club Podcast Network production. For all things Cage Club and High School Slumber Party, head over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome slumbers who take their studies a little bit more seriously. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Aislinn Addington. And this is High School Slumber Party AP, a study session in contemporary teen films. Your assignment today was to just listen to us once again. We do have some homework to chat about, our regular homework. Absolutely. As we say every Monday morning after that, fun high school weekend we remind you to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to us right now google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher lions and tigers and bears <laughs> and of course class participation huge part of your grade follow us uh the show high school slumber party facebook instagram twitter you can follow our individual social medias which we'll share at the end of the episode if you so choose and just want to mention as well took a little bit longer of a hiatus on this project than expected apologies uh, both iceland and i were doing stuff in our lives i went on vacation iceland you were moving that's crazy I you know yeah. yeah i changed jobs i changed states um i don't know where anything is but i'm excited to listen again to the conversation you had and and talk once more about some amazing movies from this past year yeah we're gonna spend i think at this point uh uh the better half of the first half of the year doing our little project so just to recap um every year um we we sort of watch all the films from the previous year so this is a 2022 recap i had been doing it solo island you had helped me this year. We also got some of our friends to help us. Joey Lewandowski was on the first episode. Uh, we have a new friend on this episode. Well, he's not new to High School Slumber Party. He's new to High School Slumber Party AP. More on him in a second. Uh, but these are spoiler-free reviews that we do. We just And not even reviews. I guess they're reviews, right? What, what would you classify them as? I think it's like synopsis reaction. Yeah. Something. And sometimes it is, I think... We, we are a little bit of a hype person of like, hey, this thing is out there and it's great. Or as we learned on the episode with Joey, hey, this is out there. Iceland, do not watch it. <laughs> I appreciate, not going to lie. So if you have sensibilities of the line with mine, that episode is going to be very, um, very helpful, as I think will this one. But we'll we'll talk more specifics as we get through it. Oh, oh, definitely. What we like to do here is sort of curate maybe what you might be interested in, highlight things that maybe were not on your radar that you would like to be on your radar, and sort of also for us, selfishly, curate the curriculum for what AP is going to be this year 
next year, beyond, whatever. Because honestly, there's so many great movies that I've seen in the previous year that I was like, Island, we have to watch it. We have to watch it, right? And now that we've both seen them, I think we both have our lists and they're just going to keep growing. And I'm excited to cover them in long form, but this is the short form version. Yeah, it, it allows us to kind of celebrate more than than we can. You know, we, again, as we mentioned, we have lives. Boring. <laughs> uh, so we don't do this full time, so we can't cover everything long form. But there are some really exciting filmmakers. There are exciting actors. There are really important stories that are getting out there, large and small. And I know just being part of the year in review, I have told people about movies I didn't know about before listening to you and Joey are watching some of my own. And so it's that little, I don't know, kind of bit of evangelism that we do um, to help people find, you know, exciting new content and new stories. I love it. I love it. So today is a little bit different in a sense that uh, you sat this one out, Aislinn. Again, Life happens, and horror gives me nightmares. (laughs) So instead of being a main character, I am just a cameo player in this one. But I have listened, and I have learned, and I have enjoyed the conversation that you had. Yeah, Austin Wolf Southern, who's been a a guest on the regular High School Slumber Party feed. He's been a guest on a lot of Cage Club shows. I love having him on. He, I think, listened to our first episode, or I know he had listened to uh, last year's episode, and I believe he even mentioned something along the lines of, hey, uh, you and Aislinn have been very clear that you are not experts in horror. Would you like me to watch some horror films and uh, discuss them on your uh, 2022 review? And I was like, absolutely. 100%. We want... (laughs) participation exactly austin really standing up and becoming the model ap student by doing this and really taking a load off our backs a little bit again i i don't think i'm as opposed to horror as you are but i'm still not a horror expert like i'll watch the movie i can't tell you the last time i went to the theater watched a horror movie i can't tell you the last time that I knew, except like if it was a scream or something and the billboard was everywhere. I can't tell you the last time that I knew a horror movie like even came out without someone telling me, you know what I mean? We are not horror experts, but if you are uh, one of the listeners out there and, you're, and you do love horror, Austin is a great person to have on for this. So stay tuned. He's going to give you the lowdown. I know Joey co- covered some horror films on our first episode, But we're going to get into the majority of the horror films that came out in 2022. The teen horror films, sorry. And Austin's going to give you a really good breakdown. Um, He'll tell you where to follow him as well. He's a great follow on social media, on his Patreon. Of course, on Letterboxd. That's where he was discovered by Joey way back. That's where he's really doing that great work to really get him toward that AP scholarship, you know, that we annually hand out at the end of the year, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. 100%. Before we dive into the episode, two quick things. I haven't recorded with anyone uh, since these things happen, and I just wanted to see if they were on your radar at all, Iceland, because I've been hit up on social media and hit up by friends on what my opinions were on these two particular things. Uh, So first one, did you see Seth Rogen's comments on modern teen films? I did not. 
of the two things that you want to talk about, this one, I, I, I am coming to with a fresh mush brain again. I've been packing my home to then leave it, leave all my belongings behind, drive to another state, and then start my life without my belongings. So please uh, forgive me and share with me what did Seth Rogen, um, who I used to have a crush on, have to say? The the people you've mentioned that you've had a crush on seem to be in like the same genre of dude, which I love. I have, <laughs> I have a type. So no need to apologize, by the way. I'll fill you in. It's really simple. In an article, he just said, Superbad was the last great teen film ever made. And hot take for us APers here. Like, that's a, I thought it was a little aggressive to say, like... Absolutely. And what a hill to die on. You deal here in a lot of nostalgia. And so the conversation around how things hold up or not, or what um, feels funny still now with all the things we know. I don't know that super bad, which again, I saw in the theater, I owned at one point. I'm not innocent in terms of mid-aughts culture. (laughs) But were I to be part of that movie and other movies, I don't think that's the one I would point to. I I feel like particularly around the gender and sexuality pieces, there is a lot that I would love to see a second pass at in 2023. So that's what he points to, I think is unfortunate. Uh, but perhaps I'm. This is me reacting in the moment. So what? Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts about it, Brian? You've had more time to, to mull this. This is just again a show that can be complex when dealing with these past teen films, and I know any show that deals with nostalgia films has this problem, right? Sure, nostalgia, anything. It feels a little bit heavier when a lot of the subject matter matter deals with minors, obviously. These are teen films, so sometimes... That's a great point. Sometimes you have to separate, like, hey, do I think American Pie was a very formative movie? Yes. Like, do I think American Pie was a good movie? On my rewatches, honestly, I wasn't sure what I was going to say. And then I was like, yes, I do. Are there things in American Pie that are beyond creepy? Absolutely. Superbad has some of the same things. I've rewatched Superbad. I still think it's a really good movie. It surprised me with how well some of the comedy held up. But again, it is not definitely a 2023 film at all. How I feel about the quote, though, is like it really pisses me off, to be honest with you. And I I read the full article. It's not like something taken out of context. It was a super arrogant thing to say. One, because he's involved with the film. Two, it just means like, to me, Booksmart is up there. We've seen some 100%. great stuff. Like, we've seen some great yes. stuff, right? We, we definitely have. Yes. And I could see, like, maybe that not being on Seth Rogen's radar. I could see him not counting something like Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, because that probably sure. is not something that he watches. Or the Fallout, which I still think about daily. And I understand. But, yeah, but even if we're talking comedy, certainly book smart definitely and i can think of another handful that i would put up there thinking for instance sex appeal which is it as good of a movie 
you know, it didn't have nearly the budget. So it's hard, you know, sometimes it's hard to compare it that way. But in terms of how it deals with relationships, gender, sexuality, consent, um, informed consent, like all that kind of stuff, it, it would get better marks from me that way. And let me also say part of my, the end of my crush with Seth Rogen has to do with his, the film he was in. It's not Paul Blart. It's the other one. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, Observe and Report. Is that, that is? I believe so. Yes, In yes, which yes. the character Seth Rogen, and, and Seth wrote it, I believe, or co-wrote I think so, it. yeah. The character that he played rapes on a Ferris. It's what? just what happens. She's asleep and he begins to have sex with her and then she wakes up and is okay with it. I'm using quotes here for our folks. So, you know, thinking about what that says about that, both writing, directing, producing kind of, you know, cause, because they, he and his co-folks do it all, what that has to say about their perspective on humor and consent, humor and assault gender all the kind of things like i can't help but look at super bad knowing what i know about that mm, and we know that i famously co-mingle art and artist so that is part of my strong reaction to this um commentary and he was part of a lot of really successful teen stuff, and some of it I enjoyed. I can't blame you at all for what you're saying. Like, he's just, again, I don't want to, like, I feel like we're just piling on him, but he, he can take it. He's rich and famous, whatever. But to me, if I were in his shoes, I feel like I would say, even if I hadn't seen some of the films we talk about here on AP, I think I would say it was a successful movie. I might even say something along the lines of, it's one of the more popular modern teen films or whatever. I wish I could see more teen films, right? Like he didn't even like Absolutely. give the the leeway to be like they might have made something here or there. But sure. back to Booksmart quickly. Booksmart was a hit. Booksmart mm-hmm. was awesome and to just ignore that like I I don't know. I was very angry angry by I, I would also these give him I would give him super bad walked so that Booksmart could run or, or, or Lady Bird or something like that, you know? Yeah. You know, I would, I would give him putting it in the canon of, like you're saying, influential, popular, genre defining. But I mean, I'm thinking like blockers, if we want sex. Great pick. Great pick. Blockers. Um, 100%. So, so it just, it's just arrogance, I think, to, like you're saying, point to the thing that you were a part of and say that was the end of anything. It's just, oh gosh, that's that's such a human problem. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad we could uh, talk about that on the air because like, I did get hit up on social media a bunch about that. People, even friends, asked me what I thought of that. And again, I understand why. Like, not that I'm the authority, but I'm someone who clearly cares a lot about this. So, and I sure. was like, nah, no way. Listen to AP. You'll hear about and learn about a lot of other great art that has come out after uh, Super Bad. Okay. The next thing people were hitting me up about was uh, I don't know if you saw the, I think it was for Rakuten, but it was a clueless Super Bowl ad with many of the stars. 
of said film, including Alicia Silverstone. Did you watch the ad, Aislinn? I I have seen that ad, and it made me smile. I was also surprised at some of the cameos included. And it does lead me to like one further piece that that has just even more recently come to my attention the i don't know if you're familiar with the american girl dolls yes yes i actually on my personal social media re uh tweeted something i think you're gonna say so continue okay so you know when i was a child there were four um and they all represented a different um, historical era. There was a, a, a like a 1940s World War II uh, type um, doll. There was a Victorian doll, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Colonial doll, yeah. Colonial right. doll, thank you. Classic colonial doll. I think the fifth one was the first uh, representing um, a, a person of color and was an, an escaped um, enslaved person or a former enslaved person. You know, real... <laughs> I don't know. It's, you know, there's a lot of social commentary to be had there as well. That being said, the collection has grown and, and very recently what has come out is the most recent vintage retro character, which is a young girl from 1999. Oh yeah. And that one hurts in the feelings. And to me, while it's not exactly the same to me it was parallel in that the way that doll was styled looked very much like the clueless era like the baby glam kind of thing so that that's why i bring it up um that suddenly this you know turn to the 21st century has is smacking us in the face with it being vintage suddenly it's insane i like i said i actually uh posted that somewhere about the american girl dolls and the, the existential moment i had seeing that because again i remember them oh look at this little colonial girl and now it's like oh here are these 90s twins apparently like <laughs> from not not just 90s they're from 1999 and i'm like oh my god 1999 <laughs> someone brought up that Hey, you know we're almost a quarter into this century, and I'm like, oh my god, I remember when we entered this century. I feel so old. Um, Yeah, that's a thing. But the Clueless ad, you're right, like, I recognized this a couple years ago, and this is a weird tangent, but I remember sitting in my favorite baseball stadium. It was a themed night, I forgot what it was, of a movie I liked. I was in a brewery at the stadium. And they were playing a song that I really enjoyed when I was young. And I was like, wow, this is this is a moment. Like, oh, no, I'm the demo now they appeal to. And I'm like, that's not that's not a good thing. Like, I'm enjoying this, but I, sh- I shouldn't be. I remember walking into stores as a kid and then playing Phil Collins or something like that. And now they're playing this song that I only thought I had on my iPod as a kid. But now everyone is playing it. And... The commercial, again, I loved seeing it. I loved seeing Lisa Silverstone. I liked the cameos. She looked amazing. Can she we just amazing. say that in and of itself? And, and not that we are so aesthetically focused. But I don't even just mean like, you know, she's held up well, which is a terrible <laughs> phrase people say sometimes. But I mean, what do I want to say? I recognized it as nostalgic, but it also looked good today. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, 100%. Um, there, there's a lot of behind the scenes on this commercial, as often Super Bowl ads have. 
the fashion designer Christian Seriano sort of updated the classic yellow plaid look of hers. And he makes a cameo in the ad as well. So you're right about that. Like, it looked awesome. It felt awesome. But that awesomeness also made me think of my own mortality. So I'm a little bit a little bit torn. You know what I thought of, which is a weird thing to think of? I'm like, maybe it's 10 years. Hopefully it's 20 years. That I'm going to be sitting down and I'm going to watch a Super Bowl ad. And ha- have zero context to me. And it's going to be a, like a nostalgic thing that... I have no idea about like that really scares me. And I'm not someone who really honestly fears getting older, I guess until I started getting older now. And I'm like, no, I won't. I'll have to ask someone there like, wait, what's that about? Woo. Nostalgia is, is a trap, but <laughs> we love it anyway. But the commercial was amazing. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to be a shill for Rakuten, but if they're going to give me commercials like this, fine. Definitely fun. Yeah. Good and, and a, a good example of a Super Bowl commercial, right? People are talking about it. It made an impact. So, you know, I am applause for Christian and Alicia and the whole gang. Whew. Okay, Island, it's episode time. I know you listened, but uh, the people out there have not. It's all horror today. I mean, it is, but it's also, I was surprised in my listen, if I may, that there were um, several of that horror comedy, which, you know, I watched, you know, one that fits in that that genre as well. Um, And then a couple of big franchise things, you know. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this, you're going to listen to it. It's not a, it's not a spoiler, but like I'm talking about a scream. I'm talking about a, a bring it on derivative, uh, a monster high. Like I was surprised at the breadth of what was covered, and you all just um, did such a great job talking about it. I think I'm guilty of this as well. Like so many things get labeled as horror, but it is a nuanced genre between clowns chopping people's heads off and, you know, cute little tales that aren't about that. So um, I think uh, Austin does a really good job of guiding us through that. So uh, let's give it a listen. So Austin, thank you so much for joining and helping out on this 2022 teen film review because it's always a daunting task for me and every year I find more films and it's hard so when we connected on this I was like thank you thank you (laughs) I've sent uh, Joey out to do some films my AP co-host Island Addington has covered some films as well and you know this the the slumberers know this I, I don't hate horror as some people have said but it is not my milieu so it's hard for me to tell what's good horror and what's not good horror. So Austin, again, thank you for being here. Oh, it's an honor. I'm, I'm glad you were excited <laughs> that I suggested this. I mean, I don't get the impression you hate horror at all, but you do make it very clear when you review horror that you're not really sure if it's good or bad or worth recommending. And I know last year you had a guest on who was just helping you talk about movies. And I thought, well, maybe I could be the like horror stand-in to say, you know, what what is or isn't good. And then it's an excuse for me to watch 
uh, a ton of movies. <laughs> there's so many, there's so many movies. So it really is. Yeah. I, I can't imagine how you've done it in previous years. There are so many. I, I've done it because I haven't realized it. Like I've been like, Oh, I'm done. And then like, Months will go by and people will send me more. Especially, Austin, in the horror genre. Because when you Google, like, teen films, for whatever reason, they don't tell you about, like, most of these horror films. And it's hard for me because mm-hmm. I'm not, like... There, there is actually, like, a horror community. You know, you know this. And, like, people who like horror talk to each other. And sometimes they'll talk about these movies. I am not in said community. So I have zero awareness of when a lot of these films come out. The big ones, sure. Like Scream and stuff like that. But, like, there's a lot that it just goes, like, beyond my radar, right? So I had some. You sent me a list of others. And then you sent me even more. And I was like, oh, my God. I missed all these. So, ha- once again, happy that you have re-come into my life with these things. <laughs> yeah. So I I had this idea. And you know, or a suggestion to help you out. And then when you said yes, I came up with a preliminary list of a bunch of films. And then you sent me back the list that you had. And that had like mostly movies that I didn't have on my list. Like it's just endless. Yeah, I got through a few of them. I got through all the ones you sent me. A lot of them, you know, I would maybe describe as like morbid dramas more than horror (laughs) Uh, (laughs) fun but you know that's not a a bad thing i I was happy to review them and then of course you know island addington my you know usual co-host on ap here modern films is less of a horror person than i am so you're always welcome on for these and if and if there's ones that we feel like exploring further you know we, we might just give you a call austin so before we get into the films, some rules, if this is for whatever reason, part whatever of our review, and this is the first one you're into, we are just watching films from 2022, teen films, and we're no spoilers, we're just sort of guiding you if you might want to watch it, you might not want to watch it. Like, Austin or I might not like the films that we're talking about, but we might hit on something that you might really like, so... Uh, you know, we'll give our opinions and take it from there. But, you know, hit hit us up on social media. You know, we'll give our socials at the end. If you maybe disagree with our take or you saw something that maybe we were confused by something and, and you have clarity on it. But uh, no spoilers here. So feel free to listen and, you know, peruse. This is like this is like a menu for you for for what to watch in 2023 that came out in 2022. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me. Great. So, <laughs> yeah. first film was a film that was on my radar because it was on uh, Netflix. And for two reasons. One, it was just like curated for me because I watch teen films. And two, this director, John Lee Hancock, he's done a lot of sports teen films. And we just covered one called called The Rookie. And I was IMDb'ing him and I saw this. So, the film that we're talking about first is Mr. Harrigan's Phone. Far different person now. From who you were when we met. Back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues. Why do you continue to come here? Because I enjoy our time together. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. iPhones just came out. Thank you. Let's give you a nickname. Pirate King. Wicked. <laughs> yeah. I can tell 
Mr. Arrogant, has anyone ever tried to take advantage of you? How'd you deal with that? Harshly. Hey, Dad. Hey, buddy. I've got some really bad news. I will call you back if it seems appropriate. Mr. Harrigan, I wish that you were here. I got beat up pretty bad tonight. I want him to get what he deserves. So I mentioned Austin, this one is on Netflix. What'd you think of this one? Uh, I thought this was okay. Um, so this is based on a Stephen King story. Yes. And I've read the story and it was definitely one, like I didn't finish the story like, oh, they should make a movie of this. <laughs> when I saw that it had been made, I thought it was kind of an odd choice. And I, I think that this, this would serve better as like maybe an episode of like Cabinet of Curiosities mm. or like even something, well, something less horror even, like, I don't know, the only example I can think of would be like amazing stories from, I think, the early 90s that Spielberg did. But just, it's kind of a curious tale with some supernatural elements. It's not horror. A couple of people die in it, and it's like, I guess, a little gruesome. You know, there's some bullying and it's it's fine. The cast is good. There's nothing wrong with it. I didn't love the original story either. This is one that I actually watched. And okay, I had not read this story. But it read to me like, okay, you just adapted it because it was a Stephen King thing, right? Like you could attach the name there. Like I said, John Lee Hancock has like a, yeah. like a pretty big profile. I mean, he does a lot of like... Disney-ish movies, for lack of a better word. Like, he did Save mm-hmm. Mr. Banks, The Alamo. He did The Founder, which I liked. So this is not really in his lane. But what I found to be interesting about this film, I mean, and I'm using interesting loosely, it felt really mm-hmm. slow to get to the interesting parts, you know? There was a lot of that mentorship with the Donald, Donald Sutherland character for, like, a while. And then, I don't know if it really, like, paid off as well as I would have liked to have. You know? Like, like I think you're absolutely on the money, Austin. Mm. This is totally the kind of thing that would be, like, in an anthology, even like a Black Mirror kind of thing, right? Rather than yeah. a full-fledged movie. Yeah. Because the story, I don't remember exactly how long it is, but it, it's not it's not a novel, you know? it's I don't even think it's a novella. I think it's, if I had to guess, 40 pages. Oh, Wow. Yeah, I could be wrong, but that's that's what I remember. And this is very faithful to the story. And like, I, I didn't necessarily see anything that they added to it, more that they just like stretched it out. Mm. This should definitely be 45 minutes. And I mean, again, like it's, I, I don't think it's bad by any means, but I, I didn't really know what the point of it was. Having read the story... 
like I said, like I would never think like, I hope this is adapted. You know, it's an <laughs> odd choice to, from the start. That's a good way to put it too. Like it didn't feel like it needed to be made necessarily, but Hey, if you're like a Stephen King completist, sure. Tell us what you think. Yeah. And definitely like go into it knowing that it's not a horror film or, you know, not really. You're more likely to like it if you go into it kind of knowing what to expect. Even though I knew exactly what to expect, I still didn't really care for it. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, it seems like the people out there didn't care for it too much either. 45% by the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 50% by the audience, 2.5 on Letterboxd. Not great st- scores. Even like the lead, I think his name is Jaden Martell, was from It. So it just felt like one of those, right. like, ooh, Stephen King, you know? So, yeah. I mean, yeah, look, it's, it's so definitely it's... set in Maine. <laughs> so you know it's got that king aspect to it so much stephen king has been adapted that we might be scraping the bottle of the barrel at this point i don't know prove me wrong but we'll see yeah so, so i wanted to stick with uh phone films from this year so the next film we're gonna talk about was a tremendous hit in the theaters I did not see this one. And of course, I'm talking about the black phone. I'll be home in the morning. Where are you going? I'm staying over at Susie's tonight. Snow. The flyer. The papers call him the grabber. I wish you wouldn't call him that. You don't actually believe that story, do you? Because he can't hear you. And he doesn't really take kids that safe. Goof. Well, isn't that just peachy king? You need some help? You see that? Yeah. <laughs> Would you hand me my hat? Yes, sir. I am a part-time magician. Are those black balloons in there? Would you like to see a magic trick? I have an announcement to make. One of our students, Finney Blake, was abducted. What if I could help the police find Benny? Doesn't work. Not since I was a kid. I'll scream. I'll scratch your face. This face? Daddy, I had a dream about it. What happened in your dream? He was taken. By a man with black balloons? Yes. We never released those details. Huh? Don't hang up. So I think you can see it on Prime, maybe VOD. So, uh, Austin, what were your thoughts? Well, this is perfect because this is based on a short story written by Stephen King's son. Really? I didn't know that. It is. It's a, based on a story by Joe Hill. And if you see one phone movie based on a story <laughs> from the King family this year, <laughs> I would go the black phone. <laughs> Honestly, I had no idea it was adapted from Stephen King's son. It's just amazing that they both decided to like come out with films this year that were like Stephen King or King... I guess it's not King Hill family. King Hill, yeah. I don't know how to identify the family. Phone movies. Uh, <laughs> and again, the black phone was a huge hit. 
um, Ethan Hawke. Scott Derrickson was the director. I remember he jumped on this after leaving um, one of the Marvel films. I forgot which one. Oh, he was supposed to do the, the new Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yes. Yes, the new Doctor Strange. And then he jumped on this. I think $160 million at the box office. So one of the horror hits. Austin, did you agree with the people out there? Did you like The Black Phone? I did. I love this movie. Uh, it's really creepy. Excuse me. My cat, Zira, had something to say about it. <laughs> Zira, what did you think of The Black Phone? Big fan. She said she liked it. <laughs> it's a great, like, kind of a, I guess, gritty teen film is the word I'm looking for. Like, these kids... The bullies are like really, really mean. <laughs> like all the kids are like horrible to each other. Um, and then the <laughs> likable kids, you know, like the main protagonist is really likable. And then like he has a, a friend who's really likable. And then it's pretty violent, like more violent than you usually see in movies with teens. And especially like the way it starts, the first five minutes or the first like five to 10 minutes is 100% a Richard Linklater movie. Oh, wow. And it's just like this kid playing baseball and like finishing up a baseball game and then like riding his bike home. It's the 70s. I think they're playing like free ride or something. And it's so like tied into Linklater. And then it just takes this super dark turn right away. A lot of the movie is mostly like in one room where Ethan Hawke, you know, kidnaps this boy, uh, which, you know, that's the premise. I don't think I'm getting too far ahead. No, that's not a spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) Um, By the way, it's Ethan Hawke playing a character, right? It's not the actual Ethan Hawke. No, I'm kidding. That'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) I, I have trouble, you know, like distinguishing characters and actors. Or just I, whenever I talk about movies, I always say the actor did this. You know? No, of so, course. I do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like isolating that phrase in my head, like Ethan Hawke kidnapped this boy. I was like, that'd be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, critics loved this one. 83%, 88% by the audience. And we're on Tomatoes, 3.4 on Letterboxd. This is one I definitely want to check out just from uh, the yeah. trailer and the posters. So I thought it was really well done and really, really fun, really good. Yeah. And just like, really gritty for a movie about kids, which I appreciated. Was Ethan Hawke good as the... I mean, again, I don't think it's a surprise that he's the bad guy here, so um, not a spoiler, but was it was he good as that, as that role? He's great, yeah. He's very creepy. That's awesome. The mask he wears is really cool, and he wears it in, like, parts. Like, sometimes he's only wearing the bottom, and sometimes he's only wearing the half, the top half. It's really cool how it's done, and he's great. It's hard uh, in horror to make like a unique and interesting mask these days because so much of it has been done. So, yeah, I give them credit for that. I remember the posters for these like in the city and being like, oh, this seems like an interesting movie. I didn't realize like, mm-hmm. the plot or anything. But, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to this one. Yeah, and the main kid is good. And then the, uh, the girl who plays his little sister is really great. She's really funny. She's a little younger, but it's a good kid role. Um, she kind of steals the scene she's in. Give me a cool little sister, a sassy little sister at films, and, and, and I'm down. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome teen film trope that I actually do love. Um, anything else <laughs> on the black on the black phone? No, I mean, it, yeah, I really, I really liked it a lot. So, so this next film um, is one I also watched as well because it was 
uh, on Prime and such. Uh, not sure if this one was originally on your radar, Austin, but it is My Best mm-hmm. Friend's Exorcism. I can't believe you're moving this summer. We're always going to be friends. Pick you up in town. It's going to be hot this weekend. Should we do something? This weird little building where that girl was sacrificed in a satanic ritual. Let's go in. Come on, Abs. One more adventure? Had you seen or heard of this one, Austin? Uh, I hadn't seen it yet, but I I was familiar with it. Um, also based on a book. I haven't read it, but I, I'm familiar with the writer, Grady Hendrix. So, and that's Stephen King's uh, cousin, right? <laughs> it's Stephen <laughs> King's cousin, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he writes fiction and nonfiction, and he does like movie programming and stuff. So I went to one of his... Uh, like movie nights that he programmed at anthology film archives and he's just you know kind of all over the place oh cool but yeah he's just a guy i'm i'm interested in so i was familiar with the film and it you know i had seen ads for it so i was definitely curious about it and i liked it yeah this is one i actually watched and enjoyed uh the critics didn't agree but you know we don't really care about them so much uh 53 by um, by the critics and Rotten Tomatoes, thirty five percent by the audience, two point five on Letterbox. But like, I don't know. I thought this was a fun movie. Yeah, I think it's fun. It was. I mean, not having read the the book, you can you can tell it's an adaptation, and there's it goes in directions where I kind of wondered, like, should they have kept like this? Probably works better in the book. Like they deal with uh, the issue of rape in a way that is kind of well done as it's happening. And it, it shows the main girl like being a very responsible friend. But then when it turns out that that's not really what's happening, it's kind of like, well, why did, then why did you bring it up? Or <laughs> like it, it felt oh, yeah. a little awkward to me to even like have that subplot in there. If it's, it's not like anyone lies about being raped, but it's still kind of like presenting it. And then, there are a couple times where it sort of tries to make you think that it might not be possession. Because obviously, my best friend's exorcism, it's about possession. Every so often, it'll start trying to trick you into thinking, oh, maybe this is PTSD, or maybe this is in someone's head or imagined. That didn't always work for me or seem like the right call. And it's at its best when it's just like, no, no, she's She's definitely possessed by a demon. Yeah, I agree with you with that, Austin. Like, I wouldn't give this film an A. Like, it's fun, but you're right. Like, there's moments there where I know they're trying to use misdirection, but I never believed it because, like, I was like, if they go that route, 
this is going to be a much worse movie. For sure, yeah. I liked how fun it was. I liked the friendship. Uh, by the way, Elsie Fisher, who we mm-hmm. know from eighth grade on this podcast, is in this film. Good to see her doing things. I thought she was really great in the movie. She um, was great. The, the, I thought they did a really good job with the, like the uh, time. It's like 80s, right? 88, yeah. 88, yeah. I thought that was really cool. And uh, again, not to spoil it, but like the person who performs the exorcism, I thought it was a really hilarious character. Amazing. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's hysterical. So like, this is one of those where I know it like the reviews aren't as good, but if you like just like silly horror comedy, I think you I think you might enjoy this. And that's what you would call this, right? Horror comedy? Like, because it wasn't like, it wasn't a scary movie necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Horror comedy. I mean, it's not, it's not that horrific and it's not that funny overall fair (laughs) it does have aspects of both for sure and it's uh it's more like a horror tinged coming of age kind of because it's about friends it's about friendship which i i always enjoy and i thought it was well written in that regard so maybe that's why i liked it more than other people because it felt like a true teen film, you know, like it wasn't just like yes. a h- horror film happening to teenagers. It was a teen film that happened to have a hor- horrific element. Agreed. Yeah, I feel the same. I did like it for sure. Uh, not sure if I mentioned the director is Damon Thomas. Not f- not too familiar with this director. Mm-hmm. And this is available on Prime, I believe. So the next mm-hmm. one we're going to talk about, I'm not sure it's a horror film, but it was categorized in the thriller category. Um, it's called Jane. I'm okay. You've had a rough few months. You just need to start focusing on yourself. Your application is strong. You're going to get in somewhere great. Not somewhere. Stanford. What? She must have logged on last time she was over. Did you see what Jane just posted? How the hell could it have possibly been reactivated? Did this girl frame her teacher? Who was behind Jane? I thought you wrote that. Huh? I'm pretty sure it wasn't me. I know it wasn't me. It has come to my attention that someone was manipulating a former student's internet account. I hope you guys aren't mixed up with this stuff. This is a whole other level of messed up. Hey. Whoa. Last few months have really sucked. What are you doing? Olivia, you okay? Olivia. 100%. I know you and Jane were very close. I'm sure this year has been incredibly difficult for you. Now, Jane is a common name, not just for people, but for films. Just gotta, like, Google Jane 2022. Austin, what'd you think of this one? This one I would call, like, a dark drama with some thriller elements. And I liked it. So the premise is, so Jane is a girl who killed herself. And the movie kind of opens with that. And then her best friend is like dealing with the grief of her having killed herself. And then she kind of reconnects with a third friend that was part of their group. 
And then they used the dead girl's social media to cyber bully people, essentially. And they like log into Jane's account and then start like basically harassing people. And what's strange is that you're kind of introduced to these people, or at least the lead as a protagonist, but she's in the wrong, like from the go. Oh, (laughs) interesting. There's no one to root for in the movie because you know, you feel for her because she's going through some shit, but she's still like really making bad decisions all the way around (laughs) everything she does. And her friend pretty much just encourages her. And they're both just like kind of shitty teens. Like you're used to seeing the story of someone who's being cyber bullied. And this is just like, no, these, these are the, are the mean people. It was just a very unusual take, which is what I liked about it because it was so different and unexpected, but it, but watching it was kind of a confusing experience because I was, because yeah, it's hard to like, you know, I liked the characters, but I couldn't really root for them because what they were doing was pretty fucked up immediately this seems like a movie that i wouldn't necessarily recommend but i kind of want to see because i'm curious mm-hmm. not terrible scores i mean 63 percent by the critics 78 percent by the audience around tomatoes 2.8 on letterbox so again not good but could be worse um it's available on vod and the director is someone i'm not too familiar with sabrina jaglom yeah she is the daughter of henry jaglom who is a director that's an independent director who's been around for since the 70s gotcha gotcha that's cool so like i i think i will watch this one i don't know if it'll be one we cover in long form but i definitely want to check it out but i thank you for mentioning you know the plot and stuff because there's there should be like a trigger warning for some people right it does seem a little bit like oh it opens with a trigger warning (laughs) yeah yeah okay (laughs) yeah gotcha gotcha immediately it opens with like this deals with suicide and then cuts to a suicide. Oof. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I might need to mentally prep myself for this one, but so, yeah, I think I think I might watch yeah. it on my own. Yeah, I'd be curious what what other people think. Yeah, it was just a uh, again like one I'm not totally clear on what the intentions were, but I I was intrigued. Interesting. Yeah. I just wanted to mention that Jane uh, has a brief role from the lead of Bring It On, Cheer or Die. Oh! So that was, <laughs> cool. so that was exciting. So the next film we're going to talk about is a sequel, and I didn't even know the first one came out because, again, I'm not in the horror crowd. I guess they don't like me. Uh, but we're talking Terrifier 2. <laughs> so, did you figure out what you're dressing up as tomorrow? He wants to dress up as a real guy who murdered nine people last year. Oh, you're not doing that. It's just a costume. You think that guy's still out there? What's up with you and this clown all of a sudden? You're like obsessed. They never found his body. What if he decides to come back here? I wouldn't worry about it. Wait a minute. Aren't you that guy from the costume shop? Sir, what are you doing? It wasn't me. He was covered in blood on his shirt and his hands when he got here. I'm telling you, it was him, Allie. 
right down to the little black dot on the tip of his nose. You're really weird, you know that? I believe him. About what? Something really bad's gonna happen tonight. No, I, I know when Jonathan's lying, okay? I, I could hear it in his voice. Something's, something's wrong. Look, we're gonna have fun. Mm -hmm. Stress-free environment. Yep. Speaking of surprises, kids, we have a very special guest with us today. All the way from Miles County, please welcome Art the Clown. Austin, my first question. Had you seen Terrifier 1? Yes. So what were your thoughts on Terrifier 2 then? A worthy sequel, perhaps? How much do you know about Terrifier and Terrifier 2? What I know about Terrifier 2 is I saw the trailer and there's an evil clown. That's how much I know. Okay. So Terrifier 1 was a very gory, very violent film. A film that definitely a lot of people were put off by because it was so violent. I liked it. And Terrifier 2 kind of built this reputation for being even more violent and gory. And it's so... It's like one of the goriest movies <laughs> I've ever seen. Really? It's tremendously gory, gr super graphic, like really over-the-top, insane, like a really violent movie. So, you know, be prepared for that. So it kind of like got a reputation for that or had some buzz for that. And then also it's a slasher movie and it's two and a half hours long. What? Which is <laughs> unheard of. That's insane. She's <laughs> totally insane. So the original film is just Art the Clown is the villain and it's basically he just finds some people and he kills them on Halloween night. And this one is a full-blown, like, teen film with a lot of setup, getting you invested in these characters. It's about a, a teenage girl. It's also Halloween. She's, like, making her own costume. And you get to know her. You get to know her family. And there's just, like, a lot going on. And... There's just a lot of story to cover. And then Art the Clown comes in and he has some connection to her family. They face off and there's like all this weird mythology going on. And, you know, Art is maybe like a, a demon of some sort. But then the the girl is maybe like tied into his mythology and she maybe has like superpowers. What? <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot going on in Terrifier 2. Because, I mean, it has a lot of time to have a lot going on. <laughs> I mean, I would love to know what someone who is, like, not really a horror person <laughs> thought of this. The gore is crazy. <laughs> and just, like... Uh... <laughs> oh, and, man. Uh, I love this. I mean, I absolutely love this movie. It's one of my favorites of the year but it's like you know it's when you gotta know what you're going into it's available on Screenbox. i'm not sure what that is but it's fair to say i do not subscribe to Screenbox. yeah it's like shutter but not as not as big gotcha gotcha and uh damien leone i guess that's how you pronounce his name like he he's the head of the terror yeah. series i was reading um that 
this was a film that was a like an Indiegogo campaign. Um, like they raised a lot mm-hmm. of money money through that and ended up grossing like $12, 12 million dollars off like a two hundred fifty thousand dollar budget, which is you know obviously very good. So you would say this is a film for like the hardcore gore hounds, then, right? Definitely for gore hounds, yeah. But it is it's it's very interesting to also watch it as a fan of teen films. For me, it really kind of like hit hit everything. And it it's long, but it's not and it feels a little bit like stretched out at times, but it's it's never boring. You know, it really works. And the lead performance, well, I mean, the, you know, the teen girl, I think she's very good. I, I'm not familiar with her from anything else. But the guy who plays Art, so Art is completely silent. And it's all like mime. Oh, interesting. And the guy who plays them is, I thought, extraordinary. And funny, too. I think, you know, it's obviously very dark humor, but, or black humor, but it's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's just really well done. And I actually, I have a story about when I when I saw it. Oh, tell us. So I saw this in the theater, and I saw it, I guess, like, it's a couple weeks after its release, or, or I don't know. They had, like, they had, like, a night where it was just playing all across town just for this one night in, like, a bunch of theaters. Oh, interesting. And I went, and I saw it at an AMC, and first of all, it was, like, you know, does Nicole Kidman know she's introducing movies like this? Because it was so... Because <laughs> I just, like, couldn't believe what I was seeing. So when the clown came on screen, there's, like, this group toward the front of the theater who all, like, cheered when Art the Clown first came on screen. And I was like, oh, okay, they're just, like, big Terrifier fans. And then they cheered a couple other times during the credits, and then after the movie ended, this guy from the group, and it wasn't a packed theater at all. It was just like, it was mostly this one big group and then people just scattered throughout. But they were kind of toward the front. And this guy like stood up from the group and he was like, hey, everyone, thanks for coming out tonight. And we all just looked at him because he was just this like very unassuming, like weird guy. And we we're like, oh, thanks. Thanks for having us, random audience member. And then he was like, oh, I'm the clown. What? Oh, my God. That's so cool. <laughs> and Art the fucking clown was in my screening. <laughs> wow. Just like, it took him a second to realize, like, oh, right. I'm not recognizable at all. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, David, ha- David Howard Thornton is the actor's name. And yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> and then he... He like hung out outside the theater and like talked to people and took pictures and stuff and just like made himself available. So it was just, yeah, it was super exciting and super cool. And all us horror geeks were, you know, freaked out. <laughs> Very so, cool. Yeah, I just I just got lucky on going to that screening. I don't know how, but I think you sold me on this one. I think I need to watch it. Um, <laughs> do I need to watch Terrifier 1 first for it to make sense? I don't think so. I mean, it definitely follows terrifier one but it's mostly introducing new things in this one i don't think it's completely necessary great <laughs> i mean by the way people really like this movie you saw it 85 by the critics and rotten tomatoes 80 by the audience yeah, that's crazy 
3.1 on Letterboxd. And considering the length and the gore for it to get those scores, like, I think that's that's a really good sign. Yeah. And definitely, like, more people like it than liked the first one. And a lot of people who hated the first one are still into this one. Wow. Just because it's, it, it's better storytelling and the first one is pretty loose on story it's it's just sort of uh what's the word like uh misanthropic (laughs) and (laughs) and terrifier 2 has a lot more heart i would say even though it's also very disturbing you love to see it in a sequel uh the next one we're going to talk about is another sequel uh scream aka scream 5 there's certain rules to surviving. Believe me, I know. They always come back. The killer is a part of something in the past. This one just feels different. You're all in danger. Bob? Where? Sydney. I've seen this movie before. Not this movie. You said we were going to finish this. Go finish it, Sydney. Austin, I assume you are familiar with the Scream series. Mm-hmm. Most people are. I've watched, I haven't seen all the Screams. Um, I've seen the first Scream. Uh, what were your thoughts on this newest installment of the Screen franchise? I loved it. I rewatched it, you know, in preparation for this because I saw it in the theater and then I I watched it again and I liked it even more. I'd say it's really clever, and you know, it's these new guys who are taking over from Wes Craven, who made all of the previous ones, and they do a really good job of, you know, paying tribute to what he did and then just very much keeping it in the same vein of like being kind of a a meta movie where they're commenting on what's happening everyone's a suspect and they're like talking about horror tropes within the film and it was just like really well done it was really some good some good gore if you're into that there's a lot of stabbing in the movie you know they bring in the original cast but it it's mostly centered around a a group of teens like the original, which they, you know, I don't think it had been centered on teens since the original. Well, the fourth one kind of was, and it's really fun. It's really good. And Jenna Ortega is in it and she's like, you know, huge in the world of horror right now. Wednesday Adams herself. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, Wednesday that she, she's here. It's also awesome that they did, you know, bring back and pay homage to the original cast. Uh, it sounds like it's one of those good sequels that merges both the nostalgia and a new adventure, which I love to see. Mm-hmm. Another film that I definitely meant to check out that I want to check out. Uh, so the new team um, who took over Wes Craven is Matt Beltinelli, Olpin, and Tyler Gillett. Yeah, they also go by Radio Silence. Oh, that's cooler. Directed by Radio <laughs> Silence. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, good reviews by the critics, um, especially for like a horror sequel, right? 76%, 81% by the audience, 3.4 on Letterboxd. Okay. So, if you, I mean, if you're giving it your endorsement there, I definitely want to check it out because 
I know, look, there are a lot of fun horror sequels, right? But you just never know with these newer ones if they're going to honor the memory of the original while still being cool. So it seems like this one did, right? I think it did a really great job of honoring what came before. And, you know, and even Neff Campbell said that she only came back because they wrote her like an impassioned letter about how much Wes Craven meant to them. And, you know, she liked the script a lot. And, you know, she's she's on board with these guys. And, and so am I. I think they're going to make another one, right? These two? Yeah, they're making Scream 6. With the same characters or the, you know, remaining characters. Awesome. And, uh, and yeah, and Jen, there's also, just want to say, like, there's a, a whole plot with Jen Ortega and her, her older sister. And, like, all of their scenes were just, like really emotional for me and i just i really liked their storyline Ooh, i like a, I like a sister storyline that's cool so mm-hmm. i definitely want to want to check out scream five or just again scream but that could be confusing right. to people very confusing but the, and they talk <laughs> about that even in the movie oh really that's cool i like that then. yeah <laughs> the next film we're going to talk about is one that you brought to my attention that i hadn't heard of but just watched the trailer Seems interesting, as, and that is The Inhabitant. Right. And for you, the most coveted room. I call upon the spirits of this house to grant us a moment of your time. She saw what she had done, gave her father 41. Take my hands at my help. Don't you dare touch me, you bitch. Tara? I killed you once, I'll kill you again. This one is available on VOD. And if I didn't mention before, at one point, Scream 5 was available on Paramount+. Plus. I couldn't find it on my Paramount+, Plus, but you can get it VOD now anyway. But uh, another VOD one here with The Inhabitant. And directed by uh, Jaron Lauder. So what were your thoughts on this one, Austin? This was... Okay, this was another, you know, kind of psychological thriller, maybe I'd say. But, it, you know, it does have a couple murders and it's about uh this girl who she i guess she's a descendant of lizzie borden and she lives like in lizzie borden's town it's very serious there's a very serious score going throughout it to let you know how dramatic it is (laughs) the lead teen girl is very good she also stars in the new hellraiser movie Oh, interesting. Yeah, and she's she's great. She really carries the movie, I think. Leslie Bibb plays her mom, and I like her too, and she gets to do some good stuff. And it, it's just, yeah, it's kind of a psychological thing. And, you know, she's having dreams that she's killing people, but and sort of starts to suspect that maybe she's, like, worried that she's going to inherit this Lizzie Borden illness and kill her family. And it's just kind of a, uh, yeah, psychological thing. And it's it's fine. 
I enjoyed it for what it was. Bit of uneven scores. Uh, 71. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of uh, critics who saw this one, but 71% by the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 93% by the audience, but then 2.3 on Letterboxd, which means I think it's like too small of a sample size for you to take those uh, scores yeah. and really take them seriously. Anything else you want to say about The Inhabitant, or should we move on? I did like it. I'm just realizing like how how little it stuck with me. And I I believe I watched it last night. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, take that how you will. <laughs> All right. So this next one, I know you have a lot to say. Um, we actually already covered it on High School Slumber Party, but happy mm. to talk about it further. And that is the an, another sequel, technically. Um, it, it is the newest installment yeah. of the Bring It On series. Bring It On, Cheer or Die. <laughs> oh my god, we're so dead! Bring it on! Somebody's trying to kill us! This is so messed up! Of course, this one, uh, you can get VOD. It did air on Sci-Fi originally. Austin, the floor is yours. What did you think of Bring It On, Cheer or Die? So this is probably my most anticipated movie of 2022. (laughs) I I love the Bring It On series. I see all of them as soon as I can. I wasn't aware of that. That's good to know. They're so fun. I mean, obviously, like some are better than others, but it, you know, the ones that are good are are great. Bring it on, all or nothing with Hayden Panettiere, I think, is an incredible film. Uh, bring it on, worldwide hashtag cheer smack is <laughs> so funny and and so good. So this was like a dream come true that yeah, this I mean, beloved series moves into horror. This is the perfect film for you. I can't believe it. So so did it meet your expectations? Yes. I'll say that the horror element is definitely a bit sanitized. And it's made for TV, so that's like sort of to be expected because it's made for sci-fi. Although they've made they've made some movies that are surprisingly gory. So I would have liked something a little more violent but for what it was it was great and it's really funny you know i love the cast i love the setup i love that it's kind of like making fun of itself with like how typical it is in a sense and and just you know this was a couple of months ago that i watched it but like the way they set up just like oh we should go rehearse it that abandoned high school (laughs) (laughs) and just stuff like that that i think is just so like hilariously done i like the killers like wearing this like huge mascot outfit and then at the end that they like have to use their like cheer skills to fight and there's just a lot that it did right (laughs) and uh i really had a lot of fun with it and i i think it did it could have been i can't say it's like 
a per- it's perfect for what I wanted as a horror film, but it it met my expectations as a bring it on film for sure. And that is really important. And I I like the twist and I just I liked I liked everything that it did. Everything that it did do right, I really appreciated. And I was just I'm just so excited that it that it even exists to begin with <laughs> and and that it was a lot of that it was fun. So we covered this episode three twelve. Um I think yeah, of course. Mike Manzi was my uh, co-host on that one, so check that out in the High School Slumber Party feed. I, I think you're right on the money with those points, especially uh, for someone, again, who has more history with the Bring It On series. Uh, looking back, I think I would have liked them to get like a bigger budget. And I mean, and there's some sci-fi that's really good, so I'm not, it's not my criticism of the sci- sci-fi. And I mean, again, sci-fi channel. Right. But with more of a budget, and I guess more of like a... I would have liked more horror elements, but what I did enjoy was exactly what you're saying. The cheer stuff was amazing. How they use, this is a slight spoiler alert, but how they use cheerleading to combat the killer is Mm -hmm. amazing to me. Like, that I love, and that still sticks with me. No pun intended, but like, that is the best parts of the movie. Like, it's, it's so much more cheer than it is horror. Even though again, there's horror elements, but you're you're right about that. But if you like the cheer movies, you're gonna like the you're gonna like this film. Yeah, it was directed by Karen Lamb. Don't let these scores fool you because they are not accurate. Because obviously, honestly, these like sci-fi movies don't unless they're like Sharknado, they don't get a lot of critics to watch them. Thirteen um, percent by the critics, zero percent by the audience. It's bullshit. Two point mm. on Letterbox. We don't care. Austin, you're giving it. You're giving it a thumbs up. I say if you like the Bring It On mm. series, like especially the series, watch it. It's fun. Yeah. That's the best thing you can say about it is it's it's a f- fun movie. And I don't know what people are expecting outside of that <laughs> for <laughs> a Bring It On horror film. You know, and like I wasn't disappointed and this was my most anticipated movie of the year. So I don't know what. I don't know what everyone's problem is if they didn't like it or what what they thought it would be, but it's it's exactly what it's meant to be. Love it, love it. So I didn't really heard of this next film, Austin. So I'm curious what your thoughts are. It is the loneliest boy in the world. There he is. Aren't those my sunglasses? Yeah. Turns out I need them more than you do. You know, you could have been caught. What would you have done? Played dead. This is Oliver. He's a little lonely. See, Oliver doesn't have any friends. Nowhere. You're a freak. Thank you. I'm looking for a friend. He had so many friends. He was everybody's friend. This is something I really have to do, Mitch. You understand, don't you? Here to fix the television set, sir. Cool shades, man. Never had a family, Mitch. Not a real one. But Oliver is about to discover that family never dies. Yeah, I didn't know this one either. This was one that was on your list. Yeah, it was just it was just one that like when I did Google Teen Films of 2022, it was on the list, but I know nothing about it. Yeah. So this kind of goes back to another one that's like I don't really know what they were 
going for or like what the intention was. So it's about this teenage boy and his mom dies and she had like kept him inside all of his life. So he's, he's not socialized. He's like never met anyone. And then after his mom dies, he goes to a psych hospital for a while and then they let him out because they decide he's sane. But then these two, like, I guess like psych evaluators, I don't know, not totally clear like what their job is, but they go to check on him and they tell him basically like you have a week or you have two weeks to make a friend. And if you don't make any friends, then we're sending you back to the psych hospital, Ooh. which I can't imagine is uh, a real process <laughs> that <laughs> psych evaluators <laughs> use. And so he ends up digging up corpses and taking them home to be his friends. So first, it's awkward because he does meet a girl who he kind of becomes like real friends with, but he's sort of not interested in her. <laughs> and just... <laughs> And it's sort of like, oh, whatever. And so he still, he digs someone up to make him a friend. And then he digs up this whole family to like have a family. And then all these corpses like come to life and are interacting with him. And then he is just like talking to them and dealing with them. And it's like, oh, okay, he's just like having delusions. But then they start interacting with other people. So, like, they really do come to life, which I didn't know what to make of that. <laughs> it was never totally clear, like, what the rules of this universe was. And I think it had this concept of, like, a lonely boy digs up corpses for friends, but we, we don't want that to be too bleak. So they tried to make it kind of funny and lighthearted, but they... <laughs> don't really find the right tone or like they don't really find a tone <laughs> i think <laughs> that's interesting i just never knew like how to feel and you know again like i didn't i didn't dislike it i don't want to like disparage it necessarily but i i think it just didn't totally know like what to do with itself or you know, what it's like overall purpose was. So this one's available on VOD. The director is Martin Owen. Scores are all over the place for this horror comedy. And sto story by Emilio Estevez. What? Is that for real? <laughs> He's one of three people, but yeah, he has a co-story by credit. What? Okay. I don't know what <laughs> the deal <laughs> I have no idea what the deal is with that. I'll look into that further. Um, 38% by the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, but 94%. And I mean, it has 100 plus reviews um, by the audience. And then 2.6 on Letterboxd. So I guess the question is, Austin, like who would you recommend this to if you had to? It's really, it's kind of a tough call. I mean, in a way, those scores make sense because the movie itself is all over the place. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> uh I don't, yeah, I don't know, because it's, it's definitely not, it's like there are essentially zombies in it, but I would not call this a horror film. 
<laughs> there are some laughs, but I would not call it a comedy. <laughs> I don't know. I oh also so it's like a British production, and like every other character has an accent. And that also was just like sort of disorienting because there's no rhyme or reason. Like, why does this character have an accent and this one doesn't? <laughs> I don't know. It's a very, that's an interesting movie. I don't know. Someone, someone likes it. <laughs> so, okay. The next film, also when you reached out to me, I had been thinking about you because I was about to watch this next film. And, of course, Austin, famously, you are a big fan of Bratz. And the, the next movie is, is also an adaptation, apparently, of a, of a series of dolls and cartoons and such. So uh, we're talking Monster High, the movie. Welcome to Monster High. Oh, shoot, I'm late! Name's Frankie, pronouns they, them. Claudine, she, her. There's also that. How can you tell if they're home? Maybe we knock. Never knock on a closed coffin. Here we are. School. This is so cool, Frankie. Who can tell me what the greatest threat to monster kind is? Humans. <laughs> Strange girl. I might be nervous, but I'm an optimist. Aw, who's this lost little doggy? Who you calling little? Don't listen to Cleo. He's got mummy issues. that means it's an act of celebration you just put your hands together bye good enough there's an untrue monster heart among us a human yes if we don't find out who it is the school could tear itself apart what do we do we fix it let's do this favorite did you watch it no i didn't i didn't watch it. i didn't get to so monster high the movie available on paramount plus austin should i watch monster high the movie oh definitely really yeah so i i didn't know anything about this i guess it's based on dolls it's based on like these like cg straight to video cartoon <laughs> series like i i tried to research it and like i don't even totally understand it but the movie I guess takes a lot of the same characters and change the personalities. So a lot of the monster high devotees were actually like disappointed in this movie because they changed so much. Oh really? Yeah. That's what I saw online, but I went in with no familiarity and it was just, you know, this monster teen movie again, like <laughs> hor horror is a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> But it's certainly paying homage to horror. And it's very, it's very cute. It's very just like endearing. And, you know, another thing as far as like going into it, knowing nothing, uh, there's nothing I love more than a surprise musical. Oh, where, <laughs> where you're like 10 minutes in and suddenly they break into a song and it's like, oh, it's this kind of movie. <laughs> it's definitely made for kids and there are parts that were a little too corny 
for me or a little too like cheesy and just like specifically for kids, but a lot of it isn't and still worked. And it's a really, I think, good kids movie because these characters are very rich and very likable. And it's kind of about being an outsider within a group of outsiders. And the main girl, she's only half werewolf. And there are no humans allowed at the school. So she has to keep her human half hidden. Oh. And then she is like researching uh, like a Jekyll and Hyde person who went there and who like, you know, messed everything up for everyone because he went bad. And it's just sort of her finding her place. And then her roommate is a a non-binary character, uh, Frankie, who's like based on the Frankenstein monster. So they're made up of both male and female parts. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And they, and it's something that's just like very casually presented where they just like give their pronouns as they, them right off the bat. And no one bats an eye or questions it. And, and they're like probably the second lead of the movie. So that was really cool. And really, it's just like very open. And it's all about like accepting yourself and, I was really into it and it like made me cry at the end. <laughs> wow. I love to hear I, it. I love I to thought hear it was it. fantastic. Also, I do have to say it was I watched it in the middle of watching Wednesday, which did you watch Wednesday? Yes, yes. There are uh, quite a few similarities. <laughs> really? Completely different tone, definitely different uh, like temperaments of the main character. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're both about like this person coming to a school of outcasts and monsters. And, you know, even some of the monsters are similar. And I mean, without, you know, giving anything away for either of them, but like the villainous monster is, is literally the same. <laughs> in, oh my God. Monster High did it them. first too. Yeah, kind of an outsider amongst outsiders and sort of finding your place. Wednesday is more of like a, you know, is like a mystery and turned out to be kind of, she's like a sleuth or whatever. And I loved Wednesday too. I mean, I know we're not talking TV, but I did think Wednesday was fantastic. But I watched Monster High like right in the middle of when I was watching Wednesday. And like when I watched the next episode of Wednesday, I like mixed up like who the headmaster was supposed to be. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And I was like, oh that that's right. That's Gwendolyn Christie in this one. (laughs) And so there there are a number of parallels. But this is definitely more kid friendly. You know, I think Wednesday is like pretty good as far as like horror goes. For what it is, you know. And this is more definitely more bubbly more kid-friendly, but really, I thought, fantastically done. (laughs) Color me intrigued. Uh, So the director was Todd Holland. I wouldn't listen to the critics on this one either. Uh, 67% Rotten Tomatoes, 53% by the audience, 2.2 on Letterboxd, but whatever. It was probably those, like you said, those like true hardcore Monster High fans. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe they, they didn't like this version, but it sounds fun. Again, this is one of my most anticipated asks today because you are the, the Bratz fan 
and you know s- similar origin stories here yeah i didn't even make the connection i mean this was this was a total surprise for me but yeah i really liked it also uh you know if this means anything to anyone but natasha legero is like the voice making announcements at the school oh, that's awesome it's the only name i recognized in the whole cast but you keep hearing these, you know, just like regular announcements. And I was like, I think that's Natasha Leggero. So that's, if you're a fan of her, that was awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> There's good puns too. There's a lot of like, they play casket ball and they, <laughs> <laughs> like, there's tons of that, of that stuff. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. You've sold me on Monster High. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Uh, a couple more we have to talk today. Uh, this next one, also on uh, Paramount Plus. By the way, uh, we were talking about this on our other episodes we've recorded for our 2022 teen film review. Paramount Plus really made a push for teen films this year, so a lot of stuff on that network. So, what were your thoughts on this one, Unhuman? We're going to show you wallflowers, the perks of real flowers. Watch out, watch out. Wayne, you're going the wrong way. You want to go? Because we can go right now. This message is transmitted at the request of the United States Office of Civil Defense. We are under siege by a chemical attack. How bad is it? It's not that bad. This was this was good. It's a zombie film basically as these kids going on a field trip and then they're kind of hit by a zombie invasion and you know all I can really say is that there's it's not what it appears to be which I I understand. I think a lot of people making zombie movies today they want to do something different because it is kind of a played out genre and i i liked the choice that they made and i liked what they did with it but i almost felt like it might have just worked better as a zombie movie (laughs) but it's it's a good group of teens and it's also it's definitely like addressing bullying which of course is like a common theme and yeah it's just it's a a nice cast of characters and it it's doing some interesting things and they they also it has commentary on high school that i liked a lot and there's there's just a lot of talking about like the idea of high school the tropes of high school like never really ending and like the trend like the groupings and bullying and just the way people associate and interact with each other like it kind of continues through your whole life, which I, I, you know, I think, I don't think is entirely true, but I, I think it's a, a nice concept and the way they talk about it was just really interesting. So 
in that regard, I I enjoyed it. Um, I guess not enough gore for me personally in a zombie film. I think part of that probably is um, originally it was uh, it, it's a Blumhouse film, but Blumhouse Television. So originally it was for like the mm. Epics Network before moving to Paramount Plus. So maybe a lot of that gore was potential gore was stripped down because uh, the director mm. Marcus Dunstan. He he wrote a lot of like the Saw sequels and stuff, so clearly yeah, he's a horror guy. Yeah, so uh, again, maybe maybe again that gore was t- uh, toned down at some point in the process. Fifty three percent by the critics yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes, twenty nine percent by the audience, two point three on uh, Letterboxd. But you know, it, it seems interesting. It's listed as a comedy as well. Was it comedy to you? Was it that more of the tone? Uh it's kind of yeah. It's comedic, uh, and also it it starts it like lists itself as a Blumhouse after school special. Oh, and, interesting. Which is like kind of a a joke in itself. I don't know if they totally like earn that, but mm. there's definitely a lot of like lessons being learned, and it's a lot of like like the assholes learning lessons and learning to be better people, which I. I felt conflicted about. Interesting. It's enjoyable, you know. So so the next one we're going to talk about, uh, if I organized this outline better, I would have put it right behind Scream 5, but I did not. This is another edition of a popular horror franchise. Of course, we're talking Halloween Ends. Come on, let's go. Did, can you see this one by any chance? I was told not to, so uh, maybe you'll convince me otherwise, or maybe you'll you know affirm that decision. Uh, what were your thoughts on Halloween Ends? Available on Peacock, David Gordon Green, director. Yeah. So this was this was a unique experience for me. Like I I didn't dislike the movie, but you know most. Most movies that I love, people don't like, <laughs> just in, in general. Yeah. Or even if they enjoy them, they say it's like a bad movie or whatever. You know, so it's like even if someone likes Bratz, they're like, oh, I like Bratz because it's a bad movie or whatever. And I don't like, I don't get where they're coming from. And I, I have a hard time just like telling the difference between like, good and bad apparently so i knew that people weren't liking halloween ends and it was a a very unique experience for me where like 20 minutes in i was like oh i get it i get what's wrong with this oh wow (laughs) Um, and i've like never had that before where i was like okay like i i'm willing to go with it but i totally see what the problem is (laughs) In the context of a teen movie, it's like, 
really good because this completely shifts focus to a brand new teenage character who was not in the previous two films. And, and just to be clear, uh, the, this director, David Gordon Green, um, and I know he works with like Danny McBride and stuff, right? Like he did this trilogy mm-hmm. of Halloween films, right? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's basically like a trilogy that follows the original 1978 version, but then ignores all the sequels in between. And it's like its own, that's also its own little package. Gotcha. And I would say Halloween ends pretty much ignores his first two films, like the first what? two films in in his trilogy. It doesn't ignore them, but it completely shifts focus to a brand new character. Well, I kind of like that being the host of High School Slumber Party, right? And it's it's similar to the screen right. thing where like old characters, new characters, teen teens again so that part's cool to me but they did it because it's like 10 years later (laughs) fair this is a year two years later (laughs) it's a real strange choice michael myers is barely in it (laughs) Um, so i mean who would you recommend it to then i guess like if you're a bigger fan I don't know. I mean, I didn't at the time I wasn't watching it in the context of a teen film, but that might be like the way to watch it. Gotcha. <laughs> to gotcha. enjoy it sense. more. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, it's just about some kid named Corey and he's not especially likable. <laughs> he's fine. It was such a bizarre way to close out series. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's just kind of a baffling movie i I don't exactly know what to say but it was, it was definitely <laughs> like the direction they went in was very strange but it is it's cool if you're going into it like oh this one's a teen film because the first one the first david gordon green one is kind of a teen film it has enough there are enough teens in it i think to qualify as that the second one, not at all. And then this one is just like entirely its own thing. It's so weird. That's interesting. Maybe maybe <laughs> yeah. I want to check it out now, but uh, critics did not like it. 40%, 57% by the audience on Rotten Tomatoes, 2.3 on Letterboxd. Who knows how it'll age with time, but definitely Scream 5 was the bigger hit of like the classic reboots this year than Halloween Ends. Yeah. For sure, prefer Screen 5. So the last film we're going to talk about today is available on Shudder, and it is Hellbender. Magic comes from the fear. Fear of death. Every living thing has it. The more fear pumping through the blood, the more power. Opened a door that, once it's open, it can be hard shut. I shouldn't have kept this from you. It was a mistake. Liar. I know the truth, Mom. I did what I was taught to do. Winter eats fall. Fall eats summer. Summer eats spring. And spring eats winter. (laughs) What do you smell? I smell a man. 
You know why we're called Hellbenders? Because we're fierce. Have you been in my dreams? Interesting that this was directed by three people. I've never seen that, I don't think, in High School Slumber Party. John Adams, Zelda Adams, and Toby Poser. So what were your thoughts on Hellbender? I liked it. So so the three people are a family. It's um, like a mom, dad, and daughter who they've made a few films at this point. And That's really cool. So they like write and direct and star in the films. The dad is barely in this one. It's mostly about the mom and daughter. But it's about this mom and daughter and they are hellbenders, which they describe as it's like a combination of, I think it's a witch, a demon, and an apex predator. But it's essentially, they're essentially witches with some new rules. And so the teenage daughter also kind of been sequestered away from the world. Her mom doesn't let her see anyone. And she starts to discover her powers and what she's capable of. And it's sort of about her, I guess, coming of age and finding her her witchy self. And then her mom helping guide through that. And it's uh, very... I don't know. It's a really interesting tone that it sets. It's, it's kind of, it's unlike anything else. They definitely have, this family has like a particular style that was really good. And it was a, a nice new way to like tell kind of a basic story, but they, you know, there's all these like witchy horror elements. Um, there's a lot of cool effects in it, like cheap effects. They don't look like, amazing but i don't think they're supposed to they're just really just sort of neat and trippy i guess and it's a cool film it's just a cool like indie film and i i liked it a lot yeah this one seems really interesting like the trailer uh it, it so um if you look it up and it says 2021 right it dropped at fantasia fest up in montreal in 2021 but like the wide release and the shutter release was 2022 so we're counting it as 2022 um yeah same with black phone also oh gotcha yeah that played festivals that's usually how we count it here in high school slumber party because if most people can't see it we count yeah. wide release here someone said, mentioned it was folk horror to me which i know is like an interesting emerging genre mm-hmm. it's all in the woods oh gotcha yeah. you know i kind of i kind of like that so 97% by the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 56% by the hmm. audience. Again, a little uneven, but not not unexpected for a movie like this. 3.2 on Letterboxd, so that's a pretty good score there. Um, I think I'm definitely going to check this one out. I might even try to reach out to uh, filmmakers here, because you kind of intrigued me with this this family filmmaker dynamic. I'm curious about this. I'm curious to watch their other stuff, too, because like I've never heard of that. They've been making films for... Over 10 years, I think, and it's like this mom and dad, and then the daughter was like directing since she was eight years old. Wow. And then they have another da- <laughs> they have another daughter too, who's in the movie, but I guess she's not as much a part of the creative process. But I saw an interview with them and like the you know the teenage daughter calls her parents by their first names and stuff, and they're just like oddballs. and they have a band, they make music. But she, you know, you hear some of the music in Hellbender. 
And they're, uh, yeah, they're just kind of an odd family, which I really admire and appreciate. So cool. So fascinating. Um, and this was awesome and fascinating, Austin. Thanks for stopping by our 2022 teen film review. And I know they weren't all horror, horror, but uh, thank you for being somewhat of a horror consultant today on these things. Of course. I, I hope 2022 was a good year for you in film oh yeah i could tell from our reviews here that you really enjoyed some films of 2022 so again thank Mm -hmm. you so much for coming aboard and we'll try to get you on again because there's actually more to add to the list yeah i'd i'd love to so austin tell uh the slumbers out there where they can follow you find you uh if they so choose and and you know what you're up to uh you can find me on patreon at the truth about cats and brats where I do reviews and movie ramblings. Uh, you can find me uh, on Letterboxd at number one Bratz fan, on Instagram at Wolf Southern. And you can see all my, I just did my yearly stats and I make pie charts and that shows all the, you know, all the formats and decades of movies that I watch throughout the year. And people seem to enjoy those. So those are at all of those locations. And uh, yeah, that's it. Once again, Austin, this has been really, really cool. And, you know, you've sold me on some of these, so um, I can't wait to watch them. And, you know, when we, if, if and when we cover some of them in long form, don't be surprised if you get an invite. I can't wait to hear what you think of Terrifier 2. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. So big thank you to Austin once again for hopping on. Follow him at all the places he told you to follow him. Again, he is an amazing follow, and he is great when it comes to these films. I always have fun talking to Austin. I'll leave it at that. And I I think you'll have fun following him. So Iceland, you, again, not the biggest horror person. Not everything was gory and horror here. Is there anything that really piqued your interest Is there anything that you might even want to watch yourself or we should cover on AP? Anything you definitely want to avoid? (laughs) Great question. I mean, I certainly am going to stay away from, you know, Terrifier 2. I think that's (laughs) safe to say that. It's not for me. Um, I was, when I, you know, listening to it, I was curious about Unhuman, Mm. which talked about toward, toward the end and is one of those listed as horror comedy and you asked uh, Austin specifically is that accurate is there comedy and also just the way again like the you know y'all were so great in in talking about these movies without tipping too much of the hand that this is not a straightforward zombie situation so I was I was intrigued by both the comedy aspect and the uh, field trip gone wrong kind of situation and yeah. that it's not what you might expect it to be. So I think um, if you gave me a list and were like, we have to cover something, what sounds interesting, I might say that. And then because of my age, of course, you know, Scream 5, you know, I have nostalgia for, and that is one that I was familiar with because of my listenership to the Ruined podcast, because uh, of course they did all the Scream movies. So that one was one I, I had a little more information on. I was surprised to see the black phone included 
I didn't realize they were in high school. I didn't either. It wasn't on my initial list, but Austin informed me of that. And I know that movie was a huge hit. Had no idea. So I'm with you on that one. And is that one you had seen as well? I, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I forgot no. what you said. No, I hadn't seen. Again, I hadn't seen most of these films. Honestly, the only ones I really saw were before Austin opted in. I had watched some of them because I thought I was going to be that have to be the horror oh, expert sure. here. <laughs> um, of, of the ones you have seen so far, is there in is there one in particular from this episode you would point to to say, yeah, give that a watch? Huh. So the Bring It On reboot, it was not like scary or gory we already covered it but it is it's good clean fun is it a crowd pleaser probably not but like i enjoyed it i really honestly didn't see a lot on this list i kind of want to see the monster high one because again austin loves brats and i'm very curious uh, to the connection there he enjoyed it he really sold me on scream okay good because i again i've seen some of the scream films but i don't know again Judge me all you want, listeners, but a lot of horror sequels that start to get up there in the numbers, I sort of start ignoring. Maybe that's unfair. And again, I don't know necessarily if it's a movie for me or you, but the last one that we talked about, yeah. Hellbender, the mm-hmm. fact that like it's this whole family who shoots films together and they're all the director... Like, they all share credit. I thought that was so fascinating. Like, I was—I don't know if they'll reach back, but I definitely want to reach out to them and hopefully, you know, get one of them on the pod somehow. Because how does that work? Like, I, I love my family. I could imagine that would be very tough to do something as daunting as shooting a movie with them, you know, and, sure. and, and like equal billing as the director there. But what a cool little, like sort of collective unit they must have like formed together to be able to accomplish such a project and i know that's like that that uh subgenre of folk horror um mm-hmm. and i know it's a super indie film but i am curious to see it again i i i will watch at some point when i have the time and the disposition that uh terrifier 2 and not because i want to see the gore or I'm just curious. How do you make a movie that long with that much gore? You know, I want to watch it for more of a and through an analytical lens. But overall, I really truly believe that we could watch any one of these films and have a good discussion. Sure. I think the one that really felt most like a teen film, and I'm not saying that it was the best, and I'm not saying that we'll we talk about it and, and love everything about it but the film my best friend's exorcism really yeah. true like truly truly felt like a teen film that happened to have horror building around it right so that's something that like i, I think we could that we could cover and it was it was funny there was a one or two problematic things so i don't know if it would get like an a plus from us in long form but it's definitely something that reminded me of some of the other things that we watch for our 2022 teen film review that weren't horror in terms of like friendships and just the school dynamics and such. So uh, I guess long answer, maybe that would be the one. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, and thank you for reminding me about that. Um, Hellbender. I, I agree. I think 
one for the folk horror component is so interesting. And then, yes, this family as director, I think that would be, you know, in on a Sunday at noon in daylight with some Twizzlers and Diet Coke, I would totally watch that with my brother and talk about whether or not we could both direct a film together. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I think you could, but I think a little preview of that perhaps would be to listen to the contenders, right? Like you're directing a podcast together. I mean, that is a backdoor plug if I've ever heard one. (laughs) And I, I thank you for it. I don't know if backdoor plug is the right thing to say. Like, <laughs> like backdoor pilot, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I got you. Yeah, I, I knew what you meant instantly until you questioned it. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, well, yes, man. seamless backdoor plug, my friend. <laughs> is there anything else you want to say regarding this episode? We do have more uh, teen film reviews coming so stay tuned for that. I promise it won't be as long of a break uh, between <laughs> the rest of them. And we have more AP episodes coming out. We have some interesting and fun AP news coming out, too. Anything else, Aizen, though, you want to mention regarding this episode of Austin? Yeah, I would just, again, reiterate that that this is a, a human who, who did the homework. And, and the homework was raising their hand to say, hey, I'm interested in this, and I also want to talk about it. Like... If, if you are a person who is sitting there like, well, I'm really into folk horror or I'm really into dance movies or whatever it is, and you want to talk to us, talk to us. We like making friends. It's hard when you're middle-aged, right, Brian? <laughs> yes, it definitely is. And this show, I feel like, keeps me young because... I watch newer movies now, and I'm able to tell my friends, oh, that's Catherine Newton in the new Ant-Man. I've seen her in the map of Tiny Perfect Things or, or whatever, right? Like, And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, no, no. I, I get it. I'm with the Gen Zers. That was such a dated thing for me to say. But <laughs> but it does uh, it does make me feel good sometimes. So even though you and I, Island, are in a similar age demo, we welcome a Gen Zer to come on and, and really give it to us if that's what you want to do or agree with us gen nice. xers welcome even boomers welcome just to echo island sentiment if you're passionate about the films we cover here in ap we want to hear from you happy 2023 and um you know find uh find us and the other podcasting we've done on cageclub.me um you're welcome to follow me on instagram at island.ruth but i don't really do anything and um, I have stopped even pretending to learn how to use it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. What, what a way to Ringing date ourselves. And, at the end I, the I just really, I like to watch other people's content about their rescue dogs. Can't complain with that. That is only, <laughs> always positive content. Your algorithm must be the best algorithm on social media. It's, it's adorable. All right. Thanks, Iceland.
it's over. Go home. Go.